So when it comes to the Mount Rushmore of Boston players, we're, so we're, what are we looking at there? Are we looking at Brady, Bird? Is there is Poppy over? I mean, because it seems like you almost have to take one from each sport, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I think the definitely right about some of those. You can be subjective on the outside, but it, there's definitely agreement about top five or so of just Bobby Orr, um, Bird, Russell, um, Brady at this point, Poppy Williams, um, Poppy. I don't know if he's quite the Mount Rushmore. Williams has always been up there and always will be. So um, Poppy certainly hasn't knocked him off that. But um, it's kind of been that way. Brady's the the only one newer to crack that entry. It's always been Williams or... Um, well, the Patriots never had one before. So um, it was always Williams or... Because um, from an observer, I think like there's so many... like So Brady's got a great American story. You know, he's just got that Midwestern. He's a baseball player. He's a football player. He's a golfer. He's just uh, he he gets out there and he just you know he when his number's called he takes advantage of it. Never relinquishes. It's very Wally Pippish when it comes to Garrig. Wow, Wally right? Pippish. Yeah, how many podcasts is Wally Pip getting mentioned in this year <laughs> this this week? Um, so it's like he just like never like Bledsoe goes down. He never relinquishes the starting position. Wins just an amazing amount of Super Bowls. He's appeared in a million of them. Really gets beat by two freak plays, right? Mm-hmm. That just happens. They, they take him down. And then you've got these guys like Williams, who's got like the greatest American story ever. He yeah. goes to he goes to, to war. He leaves in, in his prime. In his I mean, prime a, as so, an air. And I know he wasn't the only one. But I think Dimaggio, did Dimaggio do that. Dimaggio or? did too. Yeah. I mean, and just an unprecedented move. To, to voluntarily leave at the prime of your career. I mean, uh, the great I think he did is, twice. I mean, yeah. Williams did twice, right? Williams did twice. World War II and the Korean War? Yes. Yeah. Unbelievable. And still finished. I mean, you look at the career numbers and still got 521 or something home runs. I mean, <laughs> missing f- four or however many prime Crazy. years. I mean, who knows where he would have wound up. I remember there's a stat that always makes me laugh, and that's Johnny Damon has more career hits than Ted Williams. Is that true? I think so, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, forever it was like those those things could never be eclipsed. I think like there's only five guys or something like that who've ever got 500 home runs and 3,000 hits. Well, it's I don't think really he got the 300, did no, he? Or 3, no, he didn't. That's yeah. what I'm saying. You have all these amazing players that ever played, and that's still such rarefied air, and I think... Um, I think maybe Eddie Murray or somebody was the last. He's one. And uh, I think A-Rod might have gotten there. but um, A-Rod get 3,000 hits? I don't know for sure. But um, it's just rarefied air. It's like 600 home runs or something. Like this is just a small, small club that ha- were able to do both. So, um, yeah, Teddy Ball game. He's, uh, he's always the big one. But who's uh, – give me your – Give me your or give me both your personal if it's the same. Don't need to repeat it, but give me your personal uh, Chicago Rushmore of uh, sports players, and then give me the the general um, agreed upon if there is such a thing. Oh, it's so like all time. Yeah, who's like the top sports? five Chicago sports Mount Rushmore? Okay, great question. So I would probably put, so when we're talking Bears, I would say Peyton is probably it. I would probably put Butkus and Sayers and Erlocker secondary. Um, 
So I'd probably have to nominate Peyton I'd, from a Hawks. While Hull had a great, like he's the Golden Jet, and he's he was like kind of a forefront of the NHL at that point. I don't think he can. Jonathan Taves at at this stage of the of this game, I think because of the championships, he's got a very Jeter esque persona, where he's always like Captain Serious. He's doing all the right things. I got to put Taves in there. I'd probably put from a. You got Jordan, so now we got Peyton Taves Jordan. Baseball wise, I'd say they're probably the most prolific baseball player in Chicago sports history. Gotta be Banks, does it not? Banks is up there, man. Banks He's is the right only there. One's a statue, right? Uh, they got a couple up there. They got a Harry statue. Uh, they got a Banks statue over there. I mean, the Sox got a Canerico and Fisk statue. In terms of statues, Canerico one, really? Yeah. Well, dude, that 05 World Series Game Two Grand Slam. It's just funny to, when you put him next to. In terms of if you took all the the athletes in the country that have statues up. I'm guessing Canerco's got to be, he's got to be maybe the worst <laughs> player-wise for a big moment, of course, but just in terms of, of usually the statues are denoted for just a career-spanning thing. I mean, some are, are, are more uh, marking of a moment, but, um, you know, when I think of statues, I'm I'm really surprised to hear Canerco, but... So there's two there's two moments. I guess you could bronze anyone. So that's the... yeah. Well, there's two moments for Canerco <laughs> that really endears him to fans. Three probably. So I'll say the winning the World Series and him being the captain. At the, I don't think he was the captain at that point, but he became the captain later. That doesn't count then. Well, if you said he went in the World Series and is a he future was the captain, th- he was the three hole hitter. <laughs> you, know, you know, he was, he the, was guy. the future captain of a World Series team. Okay, so that's a. <laughs> Not so, bronzable, but we'll continue okay, on. Okay, so to the that next was one. my worst of my three. <laughs> Thanks for calling with, me out on it. I'm going to agree with you there. <laughs> the second one is the Game Two World Series Grand Slam. That just shit just never happened to the White Sox. It just <laughs> yeah. doesn't, you know. Sure. And that was it's big a moments. Huge moment. Yeah. Um, and there was this moment where it's, I don't know if you'll ever see it in in baseball again. So it's, I think against. I'm trying to think of who it's against. It's like against Minnesota, maybe. It's a regular season game. He takes a fastball to the mouth. Tough place to take it. Take it, yeah. <laughs> He's writhing in pain. He's in the batter's box. He's rolling around. It's brutal, dude. You know, Gene Carlos Stanton missed a year for it. You know, he's, he's faking. <laughs> it's like cramps. Well, this is this is the Paul Pierce moment. So yeah. he stays in the game. Okay. He definitely. So he takes first base. Doesn't get doesn't get replaced. Later in the game, hits the game winning home run. Just an unbelievable turn of events. Yeah. And so that one endears you. Um, so there's those two things, career numbers-wise. I'm a, I'm a proponent. I'm a, I'm a traditionalist of, of, of baseball. <laughs> I, I wouldn't put him in the Hall of Fame. I think he's in the Hall of really good. You know, I think the Sox, he's rightfully, his number's retired. Should there be, would that help the Hall of Fame if there was a Hall of really good? That way we could place all those borderline people, give them some awards, some place to be revered. 100%. 100%. Like Biggio would be Biggio the best. Biggio needs to be in there. He'd be, he'd be the best, one of the best players of the Hall of Good. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He, he's in there. I put Tim Raines in there. Oh, yeah. The I Rock. Put, I put The Rock in there like a, a great player, but like, like who really we, gives a shit? <laughs> 
Like, what Tim Raines memory does everybody have? I'd love to hear those. <laughs> There's none. Yeah. His those best Expo memory is fans. That, <laughs> the best moment that happened with Tim Raines is that one year on a baseball card, it were, they actually printed Tim the Rock Raines. Yeah. They actually started giving nicknames. Yeah. Uh, prominence on baseball cards, which never happened. That might be his big moment. It is. It's got to be. the first guy to get a nickname on a baseball card. When I was younger, I was like 12 years old, and I uh, met Tim Raines. Wow. Yeah, it was at a Sox fest. And uh, he was a white member of the White Sox at that point. We're talking 93, 94. I'm in my 10 to 12-year-old range. My parents would take us to Sox fest. And I I, I initially asked him, because you got like 30 seconds with a player. You know, you're in a right. line. So my my I, I was thinking about a question, thinking about a question, and the first one I, I saw him, and I'm like, Tim, why do they call you The Rock? Wow. That was my to, question. That's a great question. Yeah, and he just lifted up his shirt, pulled up his, and just pointed to his bicep. He's like, that's why. And it was wow. massive. He was just, the guy was a machine when it comes to athleticism. Wow, I didn't, I see, I never thought of, and part of this is just persona, and it's been a while, but... You think of speed. You don't think of you know. You think of a Canseco as this ripped guy, or, or Bagwell, or somebody or McGuire. You don't think of Reigns as you know. Maybe because he's next to these other guys, it's kind of like in the NBA. LeBron's so ripped and so big and so cut now that the guy standing next to him looks like he's a a beanpole. But it's in fact also, if we saw in the streets, we'd go, "Wow, look at that guy." Yeah, you know who's like so, that? A lot's hockey players. Hockey players don't look very big, but you see them in person. They are they are girthy dudes, man. They got some good muscle to them. I saw uh, I ran into Patrick Sharp at a Pearl Jam concert at Wrigley Field. Come on, yeah, and you just I ran into him. Yeah, well, he was uh, in the urinal in front of me, and uh, I didn't recognize him at first because he's at that point he was already he was gone. And uh, my wife Amber, like she's just all about Patrick Sharp, right? Sharpie, hmm. um, and. Uh, I was I think like, it was one of my only disappointments because like he walked by me you know of course he's doing the whole thing and I'm like oh man I didn't even realize it and then I get into the, my, my part of the urinal and someone's like hey do you know who that just was it's like no and it's like oh it's Patrick Sharp so I'm like oh my wife would love to meet him so I we like we like stalked him for the next ten minutes to see if there was an open opportunity mm-hmm. to say like hey what's up Patrick this is my wife she's a big fan uh, you mind taking a picture kind of that thing but then he got like he's a pro he's a, he's not a rookie. He set himself up in a situation where it was like he was at a table of people, sat with his back to the window, and like cut himself off, mm. so that you couldn't get there. But yeah, I mean, it was a it was a cool experience. And you didn't you find know. that the the men's bathroom was a good place to approach him. Yeah, I I wouldn't suggest it. <laughs> <laughs> hey Sharpie, nice um, wiener. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you're packing a little heat down there, Sharp. <laughs> uh, yeah, that made me think of the NBA All Star game last time I was here with uh, Madison Square Garden, and uh, we saw Rob and I. We ran in the cream of Dul Jabbar, and uh, we had a few pops at that point too, and uh, that, that brought in some good comedy. We, that turned into H. Bob, let me see your wiener. At least between us, I don't think we yelled that at him. No, I did hope we? not. <laughs> I hope we restrained ourselves that much because yeah. you know, you know, sometimes I, you get, I think part of this is too, which is a funny dilemma, and kind of, kind of test you is that. You have these random moments you don't expect. You you run in or you find yourself maybe face to face or urinal to urinal with a uh, with a famous celebrity, and you're like, oh, I gotta, jeez, uh, should I say something? I talk to them, whatever. Yeah. I mean, um, or do you kind of hold back and say, oh, I respect their 
privacy and they get bombarded all the time with this. You know, like you, one of the things that kind of always gave me pause is that I remember, I don't remember which, uh, which musician was talking about this. He's like, you know, the thing is I get, I, I get hit up, I get, I'm famous and I get greeted all the time by strangers and you get used to it. And, but the, the one thing is I always get asked the same questions. There's never, ever a circumstance where somebody comes up and says something I haven't heard or asks something I haven't heard. It's kind of like, you know, if we the beer event yesterday, obviously not the same situation exactly, but, um, I think in certain situations, people think of only you have a minute, you, you, you don't think about it, and you ask the just the top of the head things um, that come to mind. You know, I mean, uh, I never, I've never been in, a, in an instance with uh, a celebrity where I'm really put on the spot to kind of come up with something. But, you know, you think as a music fan, you say, hey, I'm a big fan. And you are. Yeah. You know, if you see someone who's a fan, that's what you think to say. But they're like, yeah, everyone says they're a big fan, regardless of whether they are or not. So There's one time in particular that I can think of that I ran into somebody that I really respected, and I, I wish I would have said something different. And yeah. I had a moment with them. Did you freeze up? No, no. I, it's the exact opposite. I seized it. So we were at the Cleveland. So we were, we were in Cleveland, my buddy Jeff and I, to see Pearl Jam. And uh, You're into them, right? <laughs> a little bit. Uh, and uh, Band of Horses was opening for him, and I love Band of Horses. They're one of my favorite uh, bands from the 2000s. They just got a great sound. Ben Bridwell, the lead singer, um, the Band of Horses is literally taking the tour of the Cleveland Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at the same time. So wow. it's me and Jeff and the Band of Horses. And what's this guy's name again? Ben Bridwell. Ben Bridwell. Okay. And so he's got like a classic voice. Check him out. If you've never heard Band of Horses, please... Most people understand them by the funeral. It's like their big hit, but uh, they they got such a great. Uh, I think they're actually on a hiatus now. But um, I run into them and I go, "Hey Ben, just want to tell you I'm a huge fan of the of your band and uh, good luck tonight. You know, we're looking forward to seeing you." And the only thing I wish I would have said, and I don't know if it would have changed anything, but like my favorite song by them is uh, "Detlef Shrimp." I played it at my wedding. Um, it's just got this great feel and this um, this it's it's incredible. And I was just like, and a weird name, Detlef Schrempf Vall, right? Like, it's like, he's a great small forward in the NBA, but you don't, like, picture that with love, you know? I'm just, I'm shocked that there's a song about Detlef Schrempf. There's nothing about Detlef Schrempf in that song. That you know of. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Maybe that's the question I should have asked him. That's what I, like, I would have asked. That's wish. exactly what I would have asked him. That would have been my only question. What's with the Detlef Schrempf song? That would be top of my list. Yeah, well, I, I wish I would have been like, hey, man, is there any chance you can play that? Because they didn't play it, and it was like my favorite song, and it was just disappointing. But uh, I, I've, I've, I've been very fortunate to be in these these moments with a lot of <clears throat> athletes and musicians that have just been weird. And um, I think that was probably one of the ones that was like probably the most like cool. Did I ever know? tell you about uh, when I ran into Questlove on The Roots? Mm -hmm. No, it, okay, maybe, because I think, now that you say that, I think I'm remembering a plane? Yeah. Yeah, so say, yeah. say the story, though. They don't, the people listening don't know that. Yeah, so um, what what was kind of funny and, and very icon, very much um, a Questlove thing is that I'm a huge Roots fan, and I have been for a long time, so um, we got on a plane, and I didn't spot him at first, but when we sat down, I was right uh, just a few rows back from first class. How big is he in person? Very big. 
Okay, so like yeah. cameras almost don't do it justice, or cameras do it justice. I don't think they do it justice. To because me, he's he a seems big, big guy. Okay, so that that's confirmed. Like I, he's, you know, I have a picture somewhere that with him, um, and he's big. He's a big dude. Um, but I'm a few rows back from first class, and so I I just see heads. I see seats with heads poking out, and I'm looking up in first class, and I and he's got the He's got, there's a gentleman with a giant fro. And I was like, thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, just from the back of a head, if I'm, if I'm guessing who this is, and, and you know, you start to think too. I always sort of, when I get on a plane, I think, is there a chance someone famous is in first class? I always kind of buzz through first class and give a quick, you know, I wonder if I'm going to fly know. with it. Yeah. You never know. So when I see this, when I see the back of this head, I'm saying, this looks... Does it got the pick? The, the pick is not in it. Wow. But um, So is it a ploy? Is the pick a ploy? <laughs> I think the pick's a ploy and a function. I, I think they give me both. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't mean to take I you think, off topic. I'm sorry. I think he, he probably uses the pick, but I think um, it's also probably just a convenient spot to store it in the meantime. Um, but he, I see that head and, and I see that fro and, I, and I'm thinking to myself, this is Questlove. This has got to be Questlove. Right. And I, I snap a picture and I send it to a few friends and I said, um, can you guess this fro? And uh, a few people were like, I mean, if you, if you pose that question, Questlove is going to obviously come up. But um, I'm like, I think that's him. So anyways, we get off the plane and um, we're walking through luggage and, and we grab our luggage and then we're waiting for a car. And I look to the left, and standing right next to me is Questlove. He's waiting for a car as well, and he's giant figure. And, and you know, I sort of so how tall are we talking? Like six four. He seemed big to me. He okay, six, so four. he's tall the, and wide. Yes, and in the to be fair, the, the fro throws it off a bit. Sure, you yeah. Because if you're a six four regular, but you got the four inches of fro, you come across as sick, as a real giant. Yeah. So anyhow, I'm I'm next to him, but. At that point, I thought this was Questlove on the flight, so I'm, I'm going through my head. I have a little time to prepare. I'm like, oh, I wonder if that's him. I wonder if I want to do him. What would I say? And what are the questions as a, as a fan and whatever? And so um, I was sitting next to him, and I just, you know, said I didn't have a lot to say. I didn't come up with a lot of things, but I had a little time to at least think about what I would say if, if, if I ran into him. And uh, I was just said, you know, hey, man, I just wanted to say um, thank you for Things Fall Apart and thank you for Undone. Those are just killer albums. I love those. And it's kind of my whole thing was you might only get five seconds. Cut to the root of what you want to say. And, and yeah, also yeah. let them know you're a le- legit fan. If you just say I'm a fan, it's an evergreen comment anybody could say. But if you actually, you know, maybe name the albums, they understand that you actually know their music. Yeah, and you're not looking for like, uh, you're not looking for them to remember you. You're just looking for a moment. Right, that you can kind of cherish. Well, that's I'm really looking, what it comes down to. I'm I'm sort of looking at it the opposite way. I'm not looking for anything for myself. I'm looking for him to feel that he's got a genuine uh, fan and not just someone who recognizes that they're famous and recognizes their their face and says, "Hey, I'm a fan. Can I get a picture?" I, I what I want from that situation is for someone to say, "Hey, uh, I'm a legitimate fan," and I'm I'm a big I'm, fan. Here's why. Yeah. And then yeah. that'd be complimentary. Yeah. That'd I be mean, ideal, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, um, I I think uh, 
you know, I I ran into uh, Adam Sandler once. My was gonna... first week in New York. Unbelievable. Yeah, it was a nice welcome to the city. And I also had a little time to kind of think about the things, you know, I wanted to ask him. But I was also a young guy and, and, and not as conscious as trying to just, um, you know, understanding the celebrity factor and saying, you know, let's respect this guy's space a little more so than not. Um, so um, I never had quite um, the I wish I had moments. Uh, you know, I was, I was sort of in my random encounters lucky to get um those the gift of time to sort of set that up and not just blurt out something ridiculous so, so what was so go further in your sandler experience so how does that like where is that at how does it go um what's the result so um a funny thing is is that because he's a guy i mean yeah he's the face of our generation right, right. I and, mean, and he's i the saw guy. him in this in this peak time of that um, so like, what, you know, what era are we talking? We talking Big late Daddy? Late 90s. Late so, 90s Big Daddy era. Okay, so we're He's Big Daddy, we're Waterboy? Like no, that right t- before that, maybe and around that, in between those things. I want to say it was Big Daddy and... Um, Mr. Deeds? No, before Deeds. We're, we're talking Big Daddy and um, what was the one? Wedding Singer. Okay, cool. Wedding singer, cool. Big Daddy era. So this is this is Adam Sam. Yes, he's a, he's an icon at this point, or, or he's not an icon is maybe the wrong word, but he's a big deal. And uh, what I the thing that's funny is that I think a lot of these celebrity encounters, if they ever occur for anybody, go you know sort of one of two ways: they either confirm um, who they are in the the person that looks up to them, or they either go south you know i have, I have you've, you've heard uttered before people who say never meet your heroes i would never want to meet eddie vetter right i just don't want to do it and i think that's i i sort of agree with that and and sandler wall was not you know a hero of mine i was a huge fan of his and so when i met him he was at his peak and i was just <sighs> saying oh my god this is such a chance encounter but anyways i was with a friend and i saw him just sitting on a bench on a brownstone um on the upper west side in new york and said you know what, he's just sitting there by himself. I don't feel like this is too invasive. Let's just go chat him and tell him we're, we're fans. And, so he's know, on he the steps of a brownstone? Yeah, he's just sitting there. He's no smoking way. a stogie. No way. Smoking a stogie. And, and so, like, you get that moment where you realize that it's him. You do a second take. You're like, is that, am, I, am I sure that's him? Yeah. And it's him, and you're like, shit, I got to do something. Yeah. It was, I'm with a buddy. We are both huge fans. We're going... First take, and then confirm with each other. We're going, is this really? And then looking back and going, and you kind of do the, you know, we cross the street uh, that he's on to do the uh, non-aggressive walk by <laughs> to confirm that it's actually him. Um, and then we're like, yeah, that's that, that's him. That's confirmed. And so we're like, fuck it. Let's, you know, you don't know when those situations are going to come up again. So you say, let's go talk to him. What's the worst that could happen? He tells yeah, us to yeah, fuck yeah. off. And, um, and what was really funny is we, we just came up and said, hey, man, we're big fans. And, you know, I started, I think he's from New Hampshire. And I started talking about, you know, growing up in Massachusetts and being in New York. And he's just a really engaging and funny um, guy. And we chatted for about 10 minutes. And what was really funny is that I don't know whether this is a play or just uh, more of who he is, how much of himself is in his performance. But he was exactly the guy at that time that you would expect. I mean, he's doing the voices. He's going, sorry, fellas. You know, one of his sign-offs when we left, he goes, sorry, fellas, I'm meeting a lady. You know, he just, he was making voices and cracking jokes, and he seemed just like, um, 
he just seemed like the characters he played. He seemed just like Billy Madison or Happy Gilmore and exactly what you would expect to encounter if you met that guy and all the things uh, unfolded the right way. So that was like my first week of moving to New York. So I just thought that all weeks are going to be like that. Yeah, yeah. Forward, who's you just, next? You're just, you're just, uh, you Here's know. Here's De Niro. But, <laughs> yeah, you're Scorsese. You're just bumping and yeah. rubbing elbows with celebrities. Oh, that's and, Joe Pesci. Yeah. He lives in the same building. Yeah, me and him are buddies. We're exchanging numbers now and, you know, hanging out on weekends. But um, it was a funny instance of just confirming exactly the public perception with the reality. It's like, oh, I would expect this guy to be cracking jokes and wearing a beat up T-shirt and, and being down to earth and funny and all those things and, and uh, doing voices and impressions and did all those things in that conversation. So Incredible. Um, man. So you say that's like the best encounter you've had? Uh, yeah, I think I think that was probably the best because um, one, it was one of the, it was longer and and also that. Um, at that time, he, like I said, he just delivered on on that persona. That's awesome. You know, if you met, if you met Eddie and he was drinking wine and he was just talking about his love of music and, you know what I mean? If 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 we can get in a conversation about the greatest albums ever, like that would be <laughs> fucking awesome. But right, and you don't ex- to get there. Right, tough. You don't expect it. I always think it's unfair to expect a- a- anything of walking into some. Because cause also you don't know the situation, right? Is somebody getting off a long day of work? Are they getting off of a flight? Are they, yeah, you know, who knows? Yep. Any any random encounter, right? Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd say I, that if I rank up there, that's that's certainly that's certainly up there for me. Hmm. That makes me think. What was my favorite encounter? Hmm. I'm trying to think of like the one that just like really stands out. Um, I'd probably say so. Sosa as a White Sox, but I was a kid, so I don't even know if that matters. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever met anybody that was like really. I can hmm. tell you my most disappointing one, and this was not a random one. This was a planned visit, as you said. You know, you you go to a show or something. This was a. It's almost the worst circumstances you can meet somebody. It almost is, <laughs> yeah, you know, because it like they're it's already like this. Everyone's like just crazy. <laughs> yeah. Right. I uh, as a kid and um, went to uh, signed up for at a local gymnasium. Um, it was a meet the Brutus the Barber beefcake day. <laughs> <laughs> Mullet, yeah. hot pink. The problem was, uh, old Brutus was about five oh, no. years. He had the English. He had the English tights. <laughs> he had the English. I was thinking of Mr. Of uh, what's the other one? Shit. Go ahead. I'm sorry. He was about five years removed from his his uh, wrestling days, so not peak. Packed time, down some not, lbs. Uh, yeah, but he packed on the lbs, but still suited up. Um, so. <laughs> what was with that era and bringing on animals? Is like it's, it's like props. <laughs> he had a bulldog. He had an English bulldog. It makes no sense. You're thinking of Davy Boy Smith? No, that was the British bulldog. No, it was the British Dude, Bulldogs. Dude, I'm horrible at wrestlers. How do we get to talk about the WWE? I like <laughs> we have this conversation. We've never even talked about that ever. Then we get the fucking mics on, and next thing you know, it's just WWE convo. <laughs> Let's do a WWE podcast. I think that's what our future is. So Brutus the Barber Beefcake. It was so disappointing. So, so what was Brutus the Barber Beefcake? What was he doing? 
Well, remind just to me. remind you, he was, the name is very indicative of what he, his persona. He was a barber. That was his persona. He would cut So he, he did hair. have the pink and the black, and then yeah. he had the scissors. Yes. So which which one am I talking about with the English Bulldog and like the English pants? So the, that was a, a tag team group called the British Bulldogs. No, it's yeah. not what I'm thinking of. It's yeah, they carried a dog to the ring, or not carried, but it walked a dog. There's it was one guy that I'm thinking. Well, after he that, like a, he still did that. He was, uh, you know, he he went on after the um, tag team fame to to rise on his his own level. I'm going to get fucking blasted (laughs) on social media for this conversation. I feel like I'm I'm ready for it, so just bring it on. I'm sorry. I'm apologizing now. Well, you know, I think, I think, I think especially as a kid, never meet your heroes because Brutus the Barber was this like, you know, big hulking barber who... Yeah, I remember they had, like, um, skits on the side of, like, some of those wrestling events where, like, the Brutus the Barber were at, this, were at his barber shop. Yeah. Here comes Roddy Piper. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I also like that the ridiculousness of, of wrestling is that we can amplify any profession. It doesn't have to be a sexy thing. It's not like, um, you know, you could be a barber... There was a guy who was a repo man. <laughs> they took they took everyday professions and said, you know, it was almost like they were just flipping through a phone book and saying, uh, what about John the secretary? I mean, they just, the orthodontist. Let's get an orthodontist. I mean, the Paul Bearer, they, these oh, weren't exactly the like these, these big uh, professions that said, wow, these are pretty epic. If we could get a guy, imagine a guy who could be, this or something to aspire to um it's like well it's what local professions uh are not represented right now what was the under undertaker's manager's name paul bearer two words okay 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 paul that's the play there first name paul last name bearer and then so you got bobby was bobby the brain heenan is that a guy oh yeah he is and he's wicked smart okay then you got uh Mean Gene Oakland. Oakland. You got Virgil. Uh, Virgil. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. That one. Um, you got, uh, what's the guy with the microphone? The the, the megaphone. Be more specific. Oh, megaphone. Jimmy the Jimmy Hart? Jimmy Hart. Jimmy the mouth, Hart. Uh, the, AKA the mouth of the south. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got... You got Queen Elizabeth. She was she was like the led like I mean she's like an innovator, right? I mean when it was when has women been a part of professional wrestling? It's got to be the one of the first ones, and then led into like those. I I don't watch it, but it sounds <laughs> like, like there's that, that whole divas like thing. That there's like an internal clock for you that goes off every sixty seconds. <laughs> Just so you know, I don't watch it. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like you're really concerned oh. with people thinking you watch WWE. I'm very aware of what I. Know and don't know, and okay. we're in a fate. We're in a, we're, in a, we're in a moment here <laughs> where I'm really stepping on some fucking ground that, that it's easy to call me out. And it's like I can't wait for the next like the 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 car conversation coming behind this in guns. It's like I I've got like two sentences of facts, and then like I'm done after that. I was like, <laughs> it's over. Um. So yeah. So like, there's like that whole like. You're right though. Like I don't even know where we're going with that at this point. But it just seemed like there was a lot of characters in that time period, and they all did fit that like demo across the board. What was the guy's name? Was it the Hurricane? <laughs> that's when you're. That's when you're pushing it for characters. And when you when you're getting into the when you're moving from um, profession to natural disasters, 
There was a guy, I think, called earthquake. Typhoon in Earthquake. earthquake. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. a thing for a while. We're yeah. picking, we're picking natural disasters, and then that's going to be the persona we're running with for these guys. <laughs> I'm going to call out the person in particular who's going to call me out on all this shit. His name's Joel Henderson. Okay. So just be ready for that. So beware when it comes to social media. You and I are going to be in a lot of those conversations. Okay. Well. And I'm trying to think, like, uh, so, like, what else is going on in that era? It's like you got Mr. Perfect. Mm, yep. You've got uh, Razor Ramon. And now you're getting a little bit more into the latter than the, the 90s, I think. Um, my favorite Mr. Perfect move uh, outside of the ring was he would end interviews. He would always chew, he would always chew chew gum, you know, because he was. Uh, he was that guy. He was uh, fast moving, fast talking. Yeah, man. Yeah. And then he would uh, he would spit the gum out and then bat it away oh, with his hand. About that, dude. Which is <laughs> such an odd move. But um, I guess the the the, the thing as we're talking about is none of these things make sense. It just seemed like an era of a, of an industry in a time of just shooting off the hip. We're yeah. just pulling from every facet of life and just seeing what sticks. And somehow Dusty Rhodes was in all that, <clears throat> right? Like, yeah. what was Dusty? Like, he had those. He had, the, he had like the worst fucking backstory. He had like those that, that fucking leotard with the white, the yellow spots. <laughs> yeah, like like a bumblebee. Black. Like, what the hell was going on? <laughs> Didn't he have a manager too? What was that manager's name? I don't remember the manager's name, but he he probably most certainly did. But it reminds me of that manager from Stuck on You. <laughs> the, the Greg Kinnear, Matt Damon movie where they're all oh, like they're tied at the kidney or whatever. Yeah. And like there's that old ass manager that like they that manages them. It's like that's what Dusty Rose manages. Like he was like it was like a storyline that was like ten years too late. Well see, the, the thing I, I never got with them, which I think maybe got a little bit better, but um with all the ridiculous theatrics, um, and you know, we were talking about this with in other fashions before, but why do they need to insist on those people wearing the spandex and the underwears and why do they insist on that attire you know they could wear anything anything there's, there's no rules there's no wrong but um dusty Rhodes is a big dog you know <laughs> he's not the fittest character ever not that it matters you know i'm not fat shaming but i would just say maybe there's something that would make him be um, maybe highlight his form a little better than a skin-clad, uh, you know, tidy whiteies with yellow and black on them. And why do we need to put that guy through that stuff? It's a great question. And I think it's the one for Vince McMahon. Maybe, <laughs> maybe in a couple of years when I get Vince McMahon on the podcast, <laughs> I'll ask that exact question. I'll take a note of that right now. <laughs> uh the the I mean, uh the, this is definitely going to be this is going to have to turn into a part two. This is going to have to turn into a part two because there's no way I can ask somebody to fucking invest two out two and a half uh, two hours and three minutes into a podcast. That's a lot of time. We're getting into Joe Rogan terms here. Well, let me ask you about um. So with that attire, we we're talking about this before. Yeah, baseball unis. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about the guy in the subway that didn't wear shoes today. Oh, That's God. what I thought you were going to it's bring up. But uh, okay, so go ahead, <laughs> go ahead. I don't want to. I don't want to stamp on what you were going to bring up there. Well, you know, one of one of the things you know is one of my gripes with with uh, managers, 
for baseball is a side of thinking that they're not that integral in day-to-day operations. You, uh, you definitely undersell the manager. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think they're not making their pay grade at this point. Right, right. Um, but I don't know why, I don't know why that they need to wear that outfit. <laughs> why can't they behave like every other manager in sports, put on a damn suit, put on a pair of pants, khakis, shirt, jacket, whatever. Any of those will do. But... I don't know why those guys suit up like they're going to be running the bases. Why do we need to see? Why does Dusty Baker? Why does Dusty Baker have to wear that ridiculous outfit? Why does he got wristbands on? Why is it? Why does, why does he have a, a toothpick in his mouth at all times? What is going he's, on? He's always just eaten. He's always oh. got food in his mouth. But it's like Brad Pitt from Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> but, but he's poor. I feel so, part of it is just the empathy I feel. I feel so bad that Don Zimmer, at seventy-two years old, is just rolling rolling out his socks, <laughs> putting on a pair of cleats. He's got to show up two hours before game time to put on his uni. <laughs> And it's also like a, it's also like a painful reminder the fact that they they don't play anymore and can't run the bases. It's like here's this uniform you used to wear when you were a player and you were seventy five pounds lighter, and I can't. Is there, is there a greater moment than Zimmer getting fucking body slammed by Pedro? Fucking hate, dude. That's his highlight. Oh, that's so funny. I mean, that's one instance where it was appropriate, perhaps, for him to wear that uniform because he was (laughs) on the field and he actually got in a dust up. (laughs) It's the only time they ever had to wash Don Zimmer's uniform. (laughs) (laughs) The clubhouse guy's like, shit, Zim, what'd you get me into tonight? There's grass stains all over this fucking thing. No manager. Blame A Rod. Blame him for the fucking million thing. Everyone blames him for. A Rod gets the heat for everything, doesn't he? <laughs> fucking Veritech and A Rod, man. That was a great one. Ah, oh, Zim. Good dust up. Zim. Yeah, Zim. <laughs> that was the fucking only time Zim, Zim ran. Yeah, ever. And he is probably the only time I've ever seen him roll. <laughs> What's funny is by his by his makeup, I would expect him to roll. He looks yeah. like he's just so he's a round. Ball. Yeah, he's he a is, fucking ball. He's a ball. <laughs> he looks like someone you expect to just roll. Uh, I can't even think of a better ball in human form than John Zimmer. I'm thinking about it. I can't. I can't even think about another better ball. Who's the Mount Rushmore of balls as human beings? <laughs> it's Zim and Zim only, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, He's a fucking innovator. <laughs> oh. Poor Zim. You know, you make a whole career in baseball, and perhaps what you're best remembered for is the, the dust-up, <laughs> the rock and roll throw down by Pedro. Oh, just um, grab them by both ears and just flip them over. <laughs> I love that. You know, it's like it's it's like the you know the Catholic nun move by Pedro, which is yeah, yeah. I see someone come my way, I'm I'm going to put him in their place by grabbing them by the ear, yeah, and, and just yeah. letting them know. Here's a ruler. Yeah, 
What um, was Zim thinking? Going after a modern athlete. I mean, I know Pedro's not like big in stature, but fuck, dude, you're taking on a lot there. Yeah, and and I mean, he he must have maybe known to an extent. I would hope. I think he probably just totally <laughs> lost his shit for. It might have been a senior moment for Zim. I'm, I'm not sure, but uh, you know, him with the him in the press conference though with the band aid is just so funny. Oh, you know, it's the greatest man. Um, it's the greatest. And you know, old people they bruise way longer than younger people. So that probably he probably wore a bruise from that fight for three weeks. Right, Zim. You know, Zim. Um, that's a horrible statement. I'm so sorry if anybody's hearing that, and that's above the <laughs> fucking A, man. You know, the, the, uh, thing with, the thing with Zim is... Yeah, I'm starting a business. No big deal. <laughs> you know, just calling out people. <laughs> the thing with Zim, which is so great, is that, um, you know, he was this bench baseball guy for years, and mm-hmm. he can be in the sport and beloved and do all these things. And then, you know, he he's kind of remembered now for that moment. But nobody nobody holds that against them. They actually think it's kind of endearing and funny, and like those those things can go both ways. You know, if Zim was just a base coach and you know not remembered well as a player, that's kind of a funny thing to add to that story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Versus Nolan Ryan, <laughs> epic epic pitcher, one of the best of all time, just beating the fuck out of Rob Ventura. <laughs> I just think that I, I think that in that moment, like. <laughs> If I'm Nolan Ryan, I'm happy to be remembered by either memory. He he's in the rare uh, rare air of saying you can remember me as a great pitcher uh, from my he, I think he's the most um, no hitters or or um, he's got seven no hitters. I mean, he's got some crazy numbers, right? He's got yeah. the most strikeouts. Maybe he's got some. Yeah, he's he got four thousand in strikeouts. So, but I but if I'm Nolan Ryan, which I'm not. Um, I would be You're the Nolan Ryan happily. of beer. Don't undersell yourself. <laughs> if I'm still going in, in 26 years and still bringing the heat, yeah. then I can be the Nolan Ryan of beer. But the if I'm remembered by either of those things, I'm completely happy. Uh, you know, to me, my greatest Nolan Ryan memory is the Robert Ventura punch out. Oh. I just think that it's such a funny moment in time. And, and similarly, where we're just nobody, ex- you know, similar to that thing we were just talking about with Zimmer is just, just no one really expected Ventura to charge at Ryan because he was 45 years old and he was late yeah, in his career and you just yeah. didn't expect um, anybody you know it's like now when um, you'll notice in games players won't tackle Brady as hard on certain plays when they and he's going down or Farf had that same treatment yeah and I think that's that's fair at a certain age if you've earned that and been in that sport you don't want to end a 40 year old's career by yeah giving them a shot if they don't need, if it's not going to change the outcome of the game or the right, play. Right. Um, so just Nolan Ryan was in that in that rare space of he was iconic. He was at the end of his career. You never thought in a million years that anyone would charge the mound at him. <laughs> and then when they did, in that brief moment before, you know, the 1.5 seconds it took Ventura to leave the box and actually get to the mound, you're going, oh, God, this could go really horribly wrong like in my mind i'm picturing nolan ryan on the ground with the bloody mouth and spitting teeth out (laughs) you know then you're saying that's how i remember this poor icon and instead nolan (laughs) just does the all-time goes full-on headlock and windmill and just um makes adds to to in my book adds to his legacy in a way that 
was totally unscripted and, and never could have and just adds to that Nolan Ryan story. And he's great because he did all these things. And by the way, he did that. <laughs> it's such a big brother move to like have someone charge at you <laughs> yeah. and just like instead of like, you know, when you grew up with a lot of siblings, it's like the move generally is to put the palm on the forehead, keep him at arm's length and just keep like, you know, like, you know, cherry, you know, cherry picking him, picking him off. Yeah. And uh, instead, instead of doing the handout, he goes into the fucking straight up headlock <laughs> and it just starts pounding on his ass. Um, you know, it's so Did funny. Remember, does Ventura get to live that down, do you think? Yeah, I think he's Because he had a great it. career. I'm sure he is, but do you, I imagine that gets brought up to him, though. Yeah, I think the last time... So, Robin Ventura, as, as you're familiar, um, coached the White Sox for uh, horribly for five years. Good. <laughs> and, <laughs> Thank you And ruined that. his entire uh, reputation in Chicago. Um, <laughs> if you remember that assassination of character. <laughs> um, so, it, it's so funny. Looking back at that highlight, it, it's like he gets out of the... He gets drilled in the... I want to say it's the tricep, right? By Nolan Ryan. And you can tell there's a little bit of bad blood starting to boil when it comes to the Texas White Sox. I mean, Pudge is like a pretty competitive dude, you know? So I think that starts to kind of like, there's starting to be like one or two instances in which it's boiling over. Ventura's pretty passive-aggressive. He's not a guy who's just going to like, it's the one and only charge of the mound he's ever had. <laughs> and uh, he gets out there and it just, uh, you could tell the hesitation out of the box. And when you hesitate, you're done. Uh, he hesitated. I think that was his tell? Yeah. You think the second he hesitated, Nolan said, I got this guy. I think he got drilled. And then the pain of that fastball was like, oh, shit, that really hurt. And then you realize, like, oh, my God, my my, my dugout <clears throat> is waiting on me to maybe do something here. Because uh, now it's all boiled over. And so now it's like, okay, hesitation. Should I? Fuck it. Let's do it. And then just goes the exact opposite <laughs> conclusion that anybody would have imagined at that point there's no way he thought there's no way even in that brief second that he hesitated to charge that he thought i'm gonna get headlocked and windmilled no by this guy no. 16 years my senior and if you watch it now it's not as bad as the still frame shows <laughs> Don't defend him, man. It's not as bad. I mean, yeah, he gets in the headlock, and there's a couple, there's a couple top of the head shots coming in, but it gets broken up relatively quickly. And uh... I disagree, man. I don't think. I don't think. I think. However brief those moments and headshots are, I think it's just he lives in infamy. He's the butt fumble for that. He. Yeah. He, he will he will be in the highlights forever for unfortunately for that more than anything else in his career for his nice solid career too when i look back at the career of robin ventura i think of a couple things uh <laughs> um and so manage, being a manager aside i'm not even going to go there because uh, that was fucking brutal um it was so he hit a grand slam against texas in the mid '90s, that was really big. Uh, it's one of those that just curved around the foul pole mm. uh, it, late it, in the game, or yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a dramatic it was, moment. It was a big moment, you know. And he had a gold glove. I have a pic. I have a poster in my office of. It's called the Hot Corner. Okay. Ventura's got the gold glove on because he won multiple. You know, he's got the gold glove on. He's going like that because there was no better person. He made third base look awesome. Did he not? 
He had the Oakleys. The he was like the first person to wear the Oakleys. Mm-hmm. He was like the best ever at just charging bunts and making that throw on the run. It was like the the Jeter jump throw. Right. Right. So he had that one. Like if, if Ventura had a, a cleat, that's the, that's what's on the back of the cleat. You know, the Griffey swing man, the Jeter jump throw, the Jordan jump. This is the Ventura's third. This is the charge. The charge. The dribbler. Yeah. yeah. Chuck it. Yeah. That okay. was that, that was his proto that was his symbol. Yeah. Um so there's that stuff I remember a lot. I and uh but the other one, the other two is just brutal. It's the him breaking his ankle Gordon Hayward style in spring training mm. and it's him getting his ass beat by Nolan Ryan. Unfortunately. <laughs> so two out of three are are toughies. Toughies. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I think that's um that's unfortunate that you know, we are that way that we can remember those those Bad moments for someone is as uh, on the same way as as the good, mm-hmm. um, especially someone who had a good career like that. Yeah, um, he's just a great, just a great baseball player. You know, um, he's one of those guys that always batted fifth. There was that moment for the White Sox where it was like Thomas, we signed Albert Bell in free agency. Oh yeah, and here comes Ventura. It was like the best three, four, five that the like, history's ever thought of for a while there, at least from the marketing standpoint. Well, I, I think they're not. I think that's a fair thought at that time. I yeah, mean, like, yeah, and Bell had like some really a, great years with the Sox. It's a killer three, four, five. I think he had fifty doubles. I mean, he he pounded the baseball man. Um, but he's just he's another guy. He's just no one likes. Yeah, I know. One you of know. my favorite sports. Um, Fernando Vina. Um. Oh well, that's a good one too. When he just clocks him, coming a second is that we talk talking about, about a WWE move? Yeah, yeah. Just that's uh, a great finishing move. That's better than Hogan's. Yeah. <laughs> it certainly put more inflicted more damage than Hogs. Um, but I love the point to the bicep bell. Um, mm-hmm. the I love the swagger of that era too. Of I'm the big, um jacked guy i'm the i'm the home run hitter i'm the villain bell embraces that and in that moment too the they just caught that rare moment on camera too where they cut to the dugout he has the big moment and um they're uh i think the red Sox are are um complaining or, or trying to infer that it was the bat this this uh corked bat that did it and not anything else and then there's this great shot of Bell just pointing to his bike, doing the flex, the, uh, the that was rock, at, that range was at rock Comiskey move, Park. if you will. That was at Comiskey Park. Oh, that was at Comiskey Park. Yeah, so that's a crazy story. So Bell hits a bomb. Uh, the White Sox challenge the bat. The bat gets taken into the umpire's room. Apparently, Omar Vizquel climbs through the duck system of underneath Comiskey Park. No, swear to God, this, this is like is a story. story. This is a story. I think it was in Viscal's book. Okay, I didn't read that, but the, so uh, so he climbs through the duck system, grabs the bat, replaces it with a with a different one, and then takes the cork bat back. Come on, that's a real story. Wow. Yeah. So they think that it was a an inside job. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So they're saying that confessionally, Bell was using a cork bat. He got caught. And they found a way to do a uh, a bait and switch. So that's yeah. Wow, I've never heard that one, but that climbing through the ductwork does sound like a bit of a tall tale. I think the for last time player. we saw it successfully was Mission Impossible One. 
Well, for, <laughs> I just think so. It's got to be true. I would. It, the The only thing I question about that story is who's climbing through the ductwork. I think if if you got to send somebody to climb through the ductwork, it's the the last guy in the bench. It's the name we don't even. It's it's Billy Brisbeer, whoever <laughs> we don't remember um, sitting on the bench, or maybe even a bench coach. Um, I think I'd be surprised to hear that it was Vizquel that did it because he's a pretty big player for them. Well, maybe at that time he was not, but who knows? It might have been like a clubhouse guy or something. Maybe I'm getting the details wrong on that. I guess it's something I should look up before I do a podcast and talk about it. But um, that's fine. You know how it is. It's conversational. That's what Google's for. I I um I love the idea though that anyone crawling through ductwork because somebody definitely crawled through ductwork. <laughs> I can tell you that much. That's because a also if you've ever story. looked at them. They're not that big. No, like the I mean, idea you of, got ducks down here. Right? The, so, the I mean, idea of anybody crawling through that, I feel like you know, let alone an athlete, you're talking about someone that's got to be, you know, maybe five foot or, or junior to, to kind of fit around those corners, mm-hmm. and uh, a real slim character. Zimmer's having a hard time in some duck work. <laughs> <laughs> the Zim could never even get up there. No, Zim, no. Zim barely got off the bench. To, to even you know yeah I, I didn't even know like that's what's so funny about that moment is like i didn't even know he was awake <laughs> i thought at that point that whole yankees bent that whole yankees coaching staff just fell asleep during most of the games tory was just like yeah his eyes were open but he was sleeping it was like major pain yeah it's, i mean it's cruise control <laughs> that team was so good they could be on cruise control that's one thing we talked about this weekend is how fucking good those teams were oh my those God. 90s those 90s yankees teams were crazy God, they just were so stacked in every facet because what they did so well is is the blend, right? You always need these, in particularly in baseball, but in, I'll, I'll extend this to most sports teams, is you need your stars, Yep. you need your secondary players, and then you need those unsung heroes who sort of step up when mm-hmm. the moment arises and, mm-hmm. and they're put in a position where there's no weight on them and they somehow come through with a big play or catch and that's and that's um, tilts, tilts things in that favor. But yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Those Yankee Yankees teams. I mean, when you think back of who they had, my God, uh, Tino Martinez. Let's start a catcher. And, so like, let's do the whole lineup. Yeah. It's like Posada. It's Brocious. It's Jeter. It's Knobloch. It's Martinez. It's O'Neill. It's Williams. It's it's insert veteran crazy awesome person in left field. <laughs> Strawberry. It's Curtis. Chili it's Davis. Chili Davis. Jose. I believe the uh, new hitting coach of the Cubs. Chili Davis. He was the hitting coach of the Red Sox last year. Chilly, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, those those guys, what's crazy about that that doesn't happen a lot in sports is minus the Chili Davis, Jose Canseco, uh, rental, strawberry, get you on the back end of your career. Cecil Fielder. They had all those guys, everybody else mentioned prior to that, Jeter, um, all in their prime. All these players, I mean, how often do you get, you know, you try to balance it out to have a few of the players coming up and coming down at the same time. Um, but to get all those players essentially at their prime is just, uh, you know, unheard of. You know, the pitching didn't stack up quite that way, but they certainly had Rivera at his prime. You could argue Clemens with the latter part of his career, that might have been his prime years. He's mm-hmm. probably the most, more dominant in the latter he had a great year with 05 with the Astros too. Oh God! A little, a little bit of a, uh, a sayonara to his career. He, he, those last two years, I mean, steroids does uh, apparently does wonders. Well, could you imagine? Could you imagine how good Clemens and Bonds would have been if they did steroids? 
I mean, they were they were never busted, so I'm assuming um, that everything that they've ever done is legitimate. Yeah. So, like, imagine Bonds hit 70 home runs as a non-steroid guy, <laughs> from what he said. So imagine what he could have done on steroids. He would have hit 90 home runs on steroids. I think the one of the most <clears throat> athletic... So, so there's, like, these moments where, like, Jordan scores 60 against your Celtics in the 80s, and... Uh, Kobe hits his 81 because he takes every shot, you know, but, um, I won't give Kobe that 81. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't like <laughs> Jalen no, Rose like won't. has great I'll stories about 70. it because he was on that Raptors team and he always talks about how like the coach just refused to double team him for the entire time. <laughs> so he just let Kobe just go off. It's like the NBA called in and was like, Hey, can you just let Kobe uh, square 81 real quick? <laughs> um, sure. Yeah, let's do it. But it's just these moments of athleticism. I'd never seen a, a season like Bonds. I think that was 03, right? Where he hit 70. He didn't swing and miss. Mm. He didn't swing and miss. He'd walk. He, like, that's the crazy about it. Like, you look at the box scores. It's like he had five plate appearances a game, four plate appearances a game, and it'd be three walks and a bomb. Right. Four walks and a bomb. And it's just like he yeah. wouldn't even he'd see two pitches a game and he right. wouldn't miss them. He didn't swing and miss. It's like Never. the most unbelievable yeah. season in the history of sports. It is. Yeah. It's it's the Gretzky career in one in one season. <laughs> yeah. He just dominates at every turn and, and you could just you know, those rare moments where where it gets into the debate of, of whether it's worth uh just for the sheer uh, theatrics and entertainment value of seeing these monsters go head to head to head in the steroid era and just jack bombs whenever they feel like it. Like, um, you know, if you think about that All Star Game, I don't know what what year it was where um, Gagne is the closer who's killing it. He's on an mm. epic run, like fifty cl- saves in a row. He or something hasn't insane. let up. He hasn't let up a run in six years. Out of baseball, and, two years later, right? <laughs> he's just he's just killing it. And he's pitching at over 100 miles per hour. And Bond's at, you know, with his oversized head and, and, uh, you know, new physique can now rip shots at command. And I think it was was an all-star game, but um, they talk about, like, the best, you know, I think back about the best steroid moments Mm -hmm. uh, in baseball. That's interesting. And I I think about... I love the you go down that road a little bit <laughs> yeah. more. So so this is my favorite one because it's just so over the top. It's Gagne who's throwing at a hundred miles per hour and over the top, and Bonds who's just jacking bombs in his sleep. He pitches him a hundred and two mile per hour pitch and Bonds turns on it and hits a five hundred soaring foot home run in the other game. And it was just like, you know, it was just chemical warfare. It was just <laughs> It was just seeing these two, seeing these. I've heard, two I've heard it explained in many ways. Chemical warfare isn't one of them. I love I, that's awesome. I just it should be the it should be like the chemical warfare wing of the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think they actually starting Ken Caminiti. <laughs> I think they actually should refer to it that way. This is the best of the steroid era, and that's how they denote that, whether it's a star or, or an asterisk or whatever. But I think that. There's there's a lot of fun moments from that era, and I just love the over the top, like this guy's throwing a hundred, and this guy can not only that hit it, not only can make contact in years like in years past. If if someone throws a hundred, they're sawing wood, the bats in half. Like the the guys are just quivering with fear uh, when with this guy's wind up. In in this era, 
throwing 100 is one, um, uh, achievable, it's possible, other than the three people who had done it prior in history or whatever short list. And not only that, but there's another guy on the other end who can turn on that pitch and go deep. Like those two ridiculous things, uh, those two worlds colliding are just, I, awesome. I think that's great fun. It's awesome. And, uh, you know, as a, as a former baseball guy, seeing 90 is a fucking bitch. I couldn't imagine seeing 100. I think that's just insane, let alone catching it. I couldn't imagine, like, <laughs> right. hitting against it, let alone catching it. Um, that's just Ched, you know? And, and, like, the thing is, though, is, like, bat speed is such a big deal, you yeah. know? And so, like, the, the idea that these major league guys, like, it's not an accident. They're major league players, you know? So they got just insane bat speed, and they're able to catch up to that Chapman 104, you know? Yeah. And they're able to turn that around. It just shows you the athleticism of those dudes. It's the same thing in the NBA. Like, you know, anybody who thinks they're, like, really good shooters, I couldn't imagine watching Kyle Korver warm up. Right. That dude just isn't missing. You know, it's just the athleticism of those professional sports. And baseball is a weird one because from a distance, it looks easy. You, even if you go to the game, you, you go to the game, the ball doesn't look that fast, right? And then the guys don't look that athletic. You got guys like Bartolo Colon. You got Fernando Valenzuela. You got these guys who are bigger. Rod Beck, as we mentioned on the subway today. There's just these guys who are just these bigger than than life guys, but like when you're in the box, and you see that level of speed of an object coming at you, the normal person's just gonna like flinch. It's just the way it is. There's no way you can hang in there. And I'm sure it's you know part of what you said is the the perspective. It's coming at you versus watching it from you know uh, hundreds of feet away. Yeah, or thousands. Um, Seeing something uh, projectile coming at you and potentially coming close to your your head is pretty scary stuff. So well, I couldn't imagine either. Well, we're in the subway today, and you see a train going full throttle through there, right? That's a fast motion. Yeah. Times that by three. All right. That's what a fastball is. So it's like you're sitting there, and you're like, and it's a small thing, right? And so if you get a pitcher who's like got the fear in God in hitters like Pedro in 99 and Gibson in the late 60s it's like these guys are they'll drill you well and not you know, Randy Johnson is... John Cruck all-star game right these guys are just a he was just wild enough he wasn't really he really wasn't an intimidator like Pedro and Gibson but he was just wild enough that he can he can you're gonna wear one in the ear hole if possibly you know it's like <laughs> I like that it's the, not the air; it's the ear hole. That's where they get you, right in the air hole. Well, that's what those helmets are built, you know, buddy. But but I think what's you know also uh, aside of whether or not you're a quote unquote head honor or, or just somebody who who uh, who throw a little chin music at you, as they say, and bow tie, uh, uh, bow tie. I know you know all the industry slang, which is great because I. I typically can use the context clues to understand it, but I don't always know them. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's pretty pretty good to hear those. I like those. I like hearing Worm Burner and uh, a Cup of Coffee is a favorite of mine. Coming up for a cup of coffee. Yeah. But uh, I think also just Duck the, snort. The, <laughs> the human element of this thing's coming at you and whether or not it's intentional. There's always a chance that they're, they're wild or they're sporadic. So it's not even if they're intentionally throwing at you. There's also the factor that they might just lose a pitch. Yeah. And that yeah. could that for you might mean um, my left eye is going to be blurry for a little while. You talk to a lot of guys who play the game, and they'll tell you the worst guys to face are Dominicans. 
because they have such violent mechanics and they're so all over the place hmm. that it just it, it always gives you the impression that you're going to get drilled. You're always gonna. You, th- you always think you're gonna get drilled. You're, you never feel. You never feel settled. Never, you no never feel comfortable, comfortable in the box. That's interesting. Yeah. So like these guys, like uh, uh, R.I.P. Jordano uh, Ventura, who would he would headhunt. That guy was like. I mean, it's sad about that guy's death because he had he had the edge, and he had a point to where he can start to be. He can start to locate with great stuff that he could have been something big. Um, you get guys like Clemens. Clemens, I mean, that, that's the thing about Clemens is like he was a big steroid guy, and there's no doubt about it. I, I mean, I know you're saying that like you can't prove it, so avoid it. But um, him throwing that that half bat at Piazza it was like it's all an intimidation game, man. You know, oh, yeah, and yeah. and he was just the master at it. Pettit was looking over. He has that look. You know, he has probably T-shirts all over New York about it, right? It's like it's the mitt way up. It's the hat down. It's that it's that it's that gunslinger. It's so weird because when you think about in 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 so much in sports at the professional level, like the you know in, in, when you ever hear these athletes talk about it, they talk about its execution, its execution in the moment. How do you hit that big moment with all the gravity of the situation? How'd you do that game winning three? And they say, well, taking a million three pointers in my life. But in baseball, there's a, a rare thing with pitchers, and it kind of only exists with pitchers, at least prior to the play. Um, where they do use these sometimes effective and sometimes ridiculous slash silly intimidation moments, whether it's, um, um, you know, the closer who does the big, the big arm rally before and, and, and the hunch down before he throws and the stare down yeah. before he guns it in. So you're talking about or Craig the, Kimbrell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but he's just an example of one of many that... Bobby Jenks got these, the, uh, what's that called? The um, the bag, the rosin bag, and he's popping it up and down and he's doing his dumb shit and he's like slapping his head, you know? Yeah, you know, that's a real thing. And then, like, you got Mario Navira coming into Hell's Bell or, or uh, Enter the Sandman, right? right? Sandman, yeah. Yeah. And then you've got... Uh, well, Kenley Jensen comes into California Love, so you've got all these like theme music coming in. It's very mm-hmm. WWE, really. It is. It's, there's you a know? lot of theatrics in that closer role that don't exist um, otherwise. And I know you're talking about Pettit, but closers are, are kind of a weird animal. And that, um, you know, I I think Papelbon and his he had a run in Boston where he was really good, and he would come out to crowd favorite shipping up to Boston, but. Um, was that f- what was the name of the band? So if you want to listen to that, that's um, I'm forgetting at the moment. But they're they're not beloved. Not flogging Boston Molly, band. but it's like Dropkick Murphys. Dropkick Murphys. Dropkick yeah. Murphys. Yeah, they're the they're kind of the epitome. They're really you know laddering up before more so. I would actually actually say now um, more so even than uh, Boston's just because that song now is tied to Boston sports. But anyhow, um, and they're, they're rolling. The, I mean, the, the Departed. They they also they right. also made that yep. transition cinematically for soundtracks when it comes to the most Bostonian movies yep. possible. Yes, right? for sure. Yeah, um, that definitely helped, and, the, and they can milk that now forever. They could come out at the Super Bowl or any Boston moment and just play that song, and everyone will know it and get excited by it. It's the and same f- way for us. It's Chelsea Dagger for the Hawks. Every time they score. You know, and and does does that translate to the artist? Um, sh- you know, like it's for example, question. like great question. Take me out to the ball game ties to Harry Carey. Yeah, 
And now, you know, it's carried on and, and you, they've always had celebrities that come in and do that. Um, but it's not tied to one artist and, and uh, Go Cubs Go is not really tied to that artist either, but certain yeah, songs. Yeah, so there's, 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 an, uh, there's an educated group of Cub fans that know that artist. Know I forget his, his name. Songs. I know who he yeah, is. Yeah, I but, feel, uh, yeah, it's, it sucks I don't know that. I wish I'd love to give them a, that dude a shout out. He probably needs as many shout outs as possible. I know he's dead now, but. <laughs> so he um, doesn't need them, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. His wife and his kids do. Okay. <laughs> nice. Nice to think of this unnamed character. Yeah, yeah. I'm very, I, shout out to this dead guy and his <laughs> Unnamed dead guy and his wife and kids. <laughs> I'm very sympathetic to the the passing family. <laughs> but but you know these um, you know then this kind of harkens back to what we were talking about before and being known for a thing in a city and iconic about it. Mm-hmm. Like um, that group is attributed to that. They could they will be 75 years old and forever um, can be wailed out. Um, at a halftime show or anything and get applause and get um, just play the song kind of thing you know shut up and uh, it's like they say uh, shut up and play the hits they can forever play that song in Boston to acclaim um, and they have that that one thing that will tie them to that forever yeah, yeah. and and part of that is Papabon and, and other moments of Departed that um, cemented that status for them but um, it, it's funny to me when some, you know, um, it doesn't hold the same way, same iconic status, but uh, Sweet Caroline, for example, right? It's the ultimate, at least in their minds. I don't know if in other markets they feel that way, but in Boston, that is the song. That is the seventh inning stretch yeah. forever. And it's a moment. It's a really, it's a great, it really is. It's a fun moment. It's a great it. moment, man. And I enjoyed know, it. I enjoyed seeing it as a as a I've had know, multiple friends, and, and I haven't, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, as living here, I don't get to games that often anymore. But um, it's a fun moment. It's a great moment in the stadium, and it's the same uh, with singing, uh, taking out to the ball game. Like there are just certain moments of baseball that that the whole crowd is engaged on something. That the Victorina one was cool with Marley. Mm-hmm. That was a cool one too. I think it was every little thing's going to be all right, right? I think yeah. it was like, a, yeah, that was cool. That was yeah, cool. I mean, I, I I think those moments are are. However randomly they start, you know, once they sort of gain traction, you can get a whole group and a whole stadium behind it. It's a really nice moment for a going in person that separates those things from watching on TV. And I think uh, something like with Sweet Caroline is funny is that um, there's not this um, affinity necessarily for the artist uh, Neil Diamond, right? Um it doesn't ladder up to him per se because he's not a guy who is is a Bostonian and epitomized that the how it came to be, become this um, iconic song for that region is not tied to him or this uh, you know his relation to the city or anything like that. It was a, kind of a random occurrence. And I don't know the whole story, but so the song itself is. Um, forever linked and tied to that region. We'll probably play it at Red Sox games 500 years from now. Mm-hmm. You know, when we're, um, but it's he doesn't benefit from that. He, you know, people don't say, oh my God, Neil Diamond is just, wow. Yeah, we love him. Right. Yeah. He doesn't hold that weight up. But he, the song certainly does. Although Everybody he does make his it. appearances. Every once in a while, he'll just show up at Fenway and actually sing it in live. Yeah, which is great for him to do because... 
you know, it, it was, like I said, a random occurrence that that blew up, but he acknowledges that and, and comes back and does that. And that's, that's great when those artists play to those, those moments. I mean, um, you know, that's a, that's such an iconic thing now that to have him come back and do that is, is a big deal. But also it's such a big deal, the song, that any artist who comes through there, there's a chance that they'll cover it. You know, Jimmy Buffett's playing at Fenway Park. He's he's playing that song, you know. Yeah. He, he, even the biggest guys, you know, there's a chance. Um, there's a chance Bruce covers that when he's coming to town. Even, you know, um, it's a play to the audience move, but um, but also it's it's uh, it's a good move. You know, because great move, great move. You can't you you can't disagree with it. It's just uh, it, it it's part of that lore. And I know I know when, when we first got together and we and we met you uh, in 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 Boston, um, we it was a very fortunate trip actually because we got to see Papelbon coming in close, and then uh, to that whole thing, and then we also got to see Mariano coming in close and blow a safe. Against Toronto, so rare. Dwayne Wise, out of all people. I know, and, and, or, and the yeah. irony of it is that we went in saying, this is so great to get to see Rivera come in and shut it down. Yeah. We actually got, which is a more, more unique rare. moment. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Did, yeah Given the glass thing? half full view here, uh, is Rivera blowing a safe? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I remember about Yankee Stadium that was really crazy is like at the time... Um, you didn't see calories on a lot of things, and for some reason that stadium was like blasting it everywhere. So like when when you when you're looking at nachos and you're like, oh man, that's twenty five hundred calories, uh, maybe not. And then uh, the other thing too is the um, uh, so there's, actually there's a couple. It, it was the uh, the, the eighteen dollar Heineken. Mm. That was that's a rough price to pay for a beer, especially that beer. Yeah, and that's never good. It's no. a never a good beer. I mean, I, I never enjoy a Heineken. I mean, it's always like a, uh, a it's, it's just so bitter, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's I I could use more words than that. Even it's it's bitter. It's gross. It's um, not flavorful. It's not that smooth. It's skunky. Um, but I think that's also the the double kick in the nuts with that thing is that okay if I have to pay eighteen dollars for a beer. Um, and it's a really great beer. Okay, I'll take that one on the chin for a night at the park. You got one in you, though. You got <laughs> but, one in you. But, I, went, I went to the Aragon. Uh, it's a it's a it's a a venue in Chicago, a music venue, and I saw a brand new and surf there, and it was fourteen dollars a beer. And it was just like I had two, and I was it was just I'm not doing it anymore. No, I mean, I think that's I think that's a very reasonable response to that price point. Yeah, I mean, what are we doing? Um, you you're know? gonna outweigh the ticket price by by beer number three, I yeah. assume for not a surf. Yeah, well, I mean, what's yeah. what are not a surf tickets going for these days? Well, that brand on the new, secondary market. So that brand, <laughs> so not a surf <laughs> tickets, which I think I think they're a Brooklyn band, by the way. I think uh, you're talking shit about your own hometown here. <laughs> they might be, but um, I just think, um, you know, the popular song is just... That's it. Hilarious. <laughs> it's so, so funny. So they were open for Brand New. Brand New is like a weird... like They're like the, the biggest, smallest band that I could actually honestly think of. It's like they, they have these like weird songs and... Um, 
people people love them. They love them. I don't I don't completely understand like the adoration. I don't. Um, every time I've seen them, they've kind of been like they've left something on the table. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and that was that that was not uh, an exception. They they left something on the table there that that performance as well. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> so let me ask you about not a surf though. Yeah, sure. Did they leave anything on the table? A lot on the table, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, oh, I mean, if I, if so I were the crafting whole, their set, the list, whole night as a whole between the fourteen dollars beers and the multiple bands leaving multiple things on tables, <laughs> um, sounds like not the best night. Yeah, I think the best way to explain it is I got zimmered. Mm. Yeah, I got I ran out there on Pedro and I got uh, <laughs> rolled over like a ball, a ball of human flesh. Uh, I. I it's tough, man. They all had moments, you know. So, like, not a surf. Uh, are you familiar with the Let Go album or no? Uh, no. Okay. So they they have this song called Killian's Red. Okay. And it's really cool. It's about like being in a bar. It's about like haunted and like all not this about aspects. About bear Killian's Red. Yeah. It, it, essentially, it's about a bar sign that says Killian's Red. Um, That's pretty interesting. They had this moment inside that where it's a total jam session. And it was just perfect when it comes to just performing it in front of people. Um, and that was about it. Popular, I felt like, was one of those songs that they played to play, but there was, it wasn't anything of substance behind it. So it was, it fell short. You didn't you know? feel it was a commentary on the time or being in high school. You felt it was pretty a pretty hollow message about popularity? No, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to attack the message in particular, but it was just a performance of it. You oh, know, okay. like uh, I'm not a high school quarterback, so I don't, and I'm not trying to date a cheerleader. Okay. So I don't, I don't know if I totally understand the song at this point at 35. Um, but it's like one of those songs you look back on and you're like, Hey, that's, that was a cool song. I'd love to hear that live. And I'd love to hear them play that with some type of, uh, of edge. Mm. Right. It didn't happen, and and the same. They thing, didn't rise to the moment. No, brand new is the same way. Brand new had like uh, three or four songs that I really love that they just they just fell short of, you know. Um, but they they had also other moments that were really good. So let me ask you this. Yeah. Um, brand new. You know, you're interested in seeing, and maybe you've been a few times, and you're hoping for them to redeem. I assume at this point, you're yeah. you're hoping for a redemption show. Yeah, I want to tell a great story. Um, so you've gone to the two or three or whatever you've done. Yeah, I think I've, and, seen, and I think you, I've seen four or five times. Okay, so you, you felt that they've left uh, something to be desired. Yeah. When you hear Not a Surf is one of the openers, does mm-hmm. that um, give it an uptick? Are you like, yeah, I, whatever interest I had, now I'm really interested? Yeah. Or are you like, um, oh, that's interesting that Not a Surf is playing, but... Uh, I'm still in it, just mainly in it for brand new. No, I'm more not a surf that I'm in the brand, brand new. Oh wow! The uh, 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 let go equal weight. No, more. You said more so. So yeah, but I imagine not a surf is a, a harder. I don't know for sure because um, it's been a while since I left the fan club. <laughs> but um, I <laughs> I assume that uh, it's it's a more uh, random. Uh, stop ticket, perhaps. I don't imagine not a surface popping through that often. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, so probably every two or three years they pop through. Okay. 
I'm sure they play a lot more New York uh, dates uh, because I think their lead singer Matthew Cause he he bounces through um, living in Europe and living here in New York City. Um, but brand new, just by default, I guess is what I'm asking. Is a, is a more uh, recent band? Yeah. Um, I imagine they are they're touring maybe more regularly than that band. Maybe not. I don't. I, I don't know. That's what I'm. No. About. I, I, I honestly I don't know I'm not a big brand new fan I, I like a couple albums I, I've never like listened to their entire discography and thought they were the greatest thing that ever like walked you know um, so it's it's hard from that perspective but at the same time it's like I know that Let Go is one of my favorite albums of all time from Not A Surf and I know that The con- that uh, the Weight Is A Gift is a great album for me from Not A Surf so and they're both critically, you know, like the, people are fans of it. So they're, I'm not the, I'm not alone in those concepts, you know. Um, and popular is kind of like one of those stereotypes for that band that almost isn't fair, you mm. know, because that really set through a time period and moment that I wouldn't say justifies the symbolism of that band moving forward. But I don't fucking. You know, I just love shit, to hear man. A, shit, man. I, I just don't know. am so happy to hear a passionate defense of not a surf. I don't get that often. So, you know, I feel like this is the epitome of every super fan of like, you know, what, man, uh, the their single is is their worst track they have. You yeah, know, it's like there's certain super fans of every band where you know I'm sure certain Bruce fans are saying, you know, dancing in the dark is not bruce that's you guys don't know yeah but it's like well it is, it is bruce he did release it but uh <laughs> you can give him a mulligan but um i love the uh it does happen though oddly enough like um i, I always think about um extreme which i think is actually a boston band remember extreme no um okay they, <laughs> so are they, are they are they in relation to striper <laughs> they are one hit wonder and their famous song is "More Than Words." You, you mm. know that song. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. a great little ballad. Uh, it's it's a that soft rock. It's very true to that era of like the. Didn't Jack Black and uh, Jimmy Fallon do a recreation of that song? They did, which yeah. is a really good one. That's funny. Um, that I forgot that it's a really good one. But um, the Paul Rudd and Jimmy Fallon one of Sticks too is really great. Oh, I don't know that one, but I um, I. I I feel like uh, the fact that Sticks even got that is pretty good for them. Too much time on my hands, I believe, is the YouTube song to check out. If okay. that, if you want to see that, I do, and I will. It's funny, man. Paul Rudd's great. Yeah, he's pretty versatile. Yeah, you can kind of throw him in any situation, and and he'll sort of come through. Undervalued. He's like the Robert Horry of our generation of actors. He yeah. just comes out there and just hits big shots, and no one even thinks twice. And you know? for a long period of time. I think that's the other yeah. thing. He's what's been the last, doing that now. What's the last Paul Rudd movie at this point? Is it um, this is I think, 40? No, I think I think he got a, um some good play with uh the superhero movie that that um where he's the he plays that superhero that's uh that can oh, shrink Ant-Man. down. Yeah, but I fell asleep during that one. Yeah, but I think it did well. And I, I also think that um I think it was a hit, or at least a hit for what it was, and then the Ant Man is now in that Marvel universe of where he's in five other Marvel movies doing the cameo and things. So he's roped into that whole thing. Unfortunately, I'm at 17, so I don't love cartoon movies or superhero movies, but that's what they're, that's what they're trying to go after. I'm not, they're, they're doing it by the way, in spite of amazing, amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's like the, at this point, right. There's what five superhero movies a a year coming out. Easy. 
Easy. Easy. And, and Justice and, League, we saw all the we saw all the advertisements around that in the subway today. It's it's wild. I mean, and the fact that um, they're hitting all the different channels now is you don't have to be a big major studio or, or um, only movie. You know, the, these things are coming to Netflix and they're they're coming up as series and um, they're they're finding different homes. So it's not mm-hmm. um, it's not even the one platform like it used to be. Um, they're they're kind of living in all these different spaces, and and they're also you know filling out all these different genres, right? There's some that are a little darker, more serious. There's some that are more lighthearted. There's some that are just big budget, stupid fun. Um, but they're they're kind of in their own right filling out um, a whole genre in itself, really, which is which is interesting to see because uh, you know I think if you in an, this is the first time that that it ever really invaded that space like in previous eras like you'd have a TV show or maybe there's a movie but now they're they're just it's so ingrained they're everywhere they are movies and TV and comics and novel graphic novels um, they're just so everywhere I've never been more bored yeah yeah not into it not in this conversation, but more bored from an entertainment perspective. I just don't. I, I wish I cared more, man. I really, I really do. And I collect, I collected comics when I was younger. I appreciate it. I just, I just don't get it. I, I'm more interested in like a Manchester by the Sea. Mm. You know. Yeah, I mean that's 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 fair, but uh, you know, I, I think the thing is with those comic movies now is that they, there's. What they did really smart, which I'll give them credit for, is that because they kind of went all in with this idea of that we're going to create these separate franchises and then mm-hmm. we're going to all merge them into separate movies yeah, at times. Justice League is the one right now. While they're building a Thor thing and while they've built the Captain America thing and while they've built Iron the, Man. And then have them all merge. I mean, that's. Um, Vinny Chase is that's Aquaman. a big bet. That's a big bet. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I'll give them credit for that. That's a big bet because I don't. There's too many now where I don't watch. You know, there's too many to follow. Well, I think I think they found they found a formula and they're really going after it. And so I think that uh, the people that are going to go see the 14th Iron Man are going to go also see Justice League. Let me ask you this. Yeah. I know you're not a big comic guy, but do you have a favorite? Because I think this is is a fair fair a uh, comic book. Nope. Um, do you have a favorite Batman? Do I have a favorite Batman? That's a great question. Um, yeah, I do. I'd love, <laughs> I'd love, I'd love you to continue yeah, on this point to... <laughs> and tell me why as well. So I would go with Michael Keaton. Um, That's a good one. Only because like, I really appreciated the role. I thought he played both sides of that identity very well. Is it my favorite Batman movies? No, I would say. Um, so, out of like that entire world, that that's one that I've definitely followed, right? Like every time Batman comes out, it becomes Jurassic Park, right? So you almost like you have to see it, otherwise you're like you're out of the you're out of the popular culture, that's right. and you're you're on a, you're an outlier at that point. So I I usually see him. Um, Michael Keaton's my favorite. I would put Christian Bale in there, um, but the only problem with him is that his Batman voice was so fucking horrific. Yeah, it, it's almost like intolerable. 
It know? is. And, and I think the thing that really gets me about, I agree with actually both of those things, like, um, which is not, not enough. Uh, I find not a, I love the Michael Keaton Batman because I think he does what he does really well is that I recall of Batman, whether it's comics or movies or whatever, is that it's kind of this conflicted personality. He's not, he's not smooth and suave in the public eye. He's always sort of conflicted on both fronts. Mm -hmm. And um, Keaton does that really well. He always looks in in most of his movies, he always looks a little slightly agitated or, um, He's got um, a wit about him. He's, um, he's got a smarter wit than Vaughn, like Vince Vaughn. Well, he can jump in, but I feel like he he has a he does have that witticism, but he also always feels a little disconnected or or um, not totally in the moment guy. He's he seems to me to me in a lot of his roles a guy who um, is conflicted or um, dealing with these multiple realities or situations that he's trying to wrap his head around and i think it's funny you say really that well. because in- instantly i think of uh like gung-ho you- you're familiar with that film Mm-mm. so he's uh he's working in pittsburgh i believe uh it's a card he we, he's working for a car manufacturer they sell out american wise it's all chinese or japanese or one of those and uh it's just like a big trans, like a coming of age story, pretty much. Um, it's the same thing with Mr. Mom, mm-hmm. in a way. Is like he he's a successful businessman. I think it's like in uh, I think he's in, he's in architecture at that point. Okay. Um, he gets laid off, so now uh, the wife has to work. Sounds and fascinating. He's, yeah, he's an architect out of work. <laughs> <laughs> Go see it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great film. It's a it's a great film. It's just classic Keaton. You know, yeah. it's just he's just the guy. Was he multiplicity? That him as multiplicity well? is him. Yeah. Uh, and and then of course later it's uh, the other guys in Birdman. Birdman, and I also liked uh, Spotlight. Spotlight's great, but Spotlight's in Spotlight great. and Birdman, he's also pretty conflicted in different fashions and for different reasons. Well, and so is Beetlejuice. But he's dealing with that. So is Beetlejuice, really? I mean, he's no, it's, it's dealing with the duality. And you're right. You're in right. most of his yeah. roles, he's he's kind of trying to coming to terms with this duality. I agree with that, one hundred percent. And I so I really like that about the Batman, and and I think the thing that's so jarring with the Christian Bale Batman is that, um, yes, I know it's been talked about a ton in the deep voice. It's not new information. But what's what strikes me as so um, jarring about it is that when you read a comic, um, you don't have you don't know the voice. So it's something that they put on the character that never existed. Like when you read a comic, his persona changes, his outfit changes. Um, but the words on the page change, but there's nothing that ever had said. And now, as he's talking, imagine a deeper, gruffer, uh, gravel voice from the regular Bruce persona. So it's the worst. So they took those liberties, which I think is is obviously if in all adaptations, there's certain liberties that happen. But I think the fact that that if that was always the character's persona. You roll with that and say, okay, maybe it's a little extreme or exaggerated, but that is the character. Um, the fact that that, from what I know, and on a page does not exist, and that they are just like, oh, boy, it'd be cool if you know you dropped an octave when you talked 
for no reason. I, maybe it's the Kimbrel intimidation factor. I don't know, but um, I don't know the thinking behind. I got a darker voice because I'm uh, wearing a suit now. Yeah, I, I think the only thing that ever came out of those movies is Christian Bale lighting up like uh, production assistants, right? I mean, he, he it's sure a famous did. clip. It's a famous clip where he's just sitting there and just. Uh, Lighten them up. I mean, is there any way to say it? I mean, their tits are getting lit, dude. I mean, it's just the way it is. Um, well, look, the the thing is, it also it just highlights how extreme Bale is, right? For every job, you hear these stories. Yeah. You know, whether it's the weight loss or... Um, well, he's great at that. He's, he really is the machinist. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. It's like he's he's lost a million pounds, right? Um, and the fighter, he I mean, he gets into these roles where he just really... Uh, owns the part. I mean, yeah. in the, the fighter, right? He he plays that um, Mickey brother, brother who's, right? who's like a drug recovering drug addict or whatever. And, and he, it was just so rare in Hollywood because whatever depicted story always gets, as I say, the Hollywood treatment. But mm-hmm. he really looks like that person. Yeah, he doesn't look like a Hollywood version of it. He looks like that person. So he yeah he does for whatever intensity he brings. He does kind of. You know, jump into those roles all in. He's all an all in. in guy. American Psycho. Mm. That's another great one that he's in. Um, it's it's the That's... epicenter of narcissism, you know, and, and being an egomaniac. Um, incredible performance. The uh, I, I really like, well, American Hustle kind of sucked. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, that didn't really go anywhere. Um, I'm trying to think of like what else Bale has come out with in like. Five to seven years. Well, the, the he he's in that um, he's in that space now though that where he has such a track record that when he does come up with something, you have to pay attention. You know, it's like the Daniel Day Lewis thing, where it's you're saying I might be. They're they're pretty selective with their roles mm-hmm. and, and they don't do a ton, and that whatever they're doing, there's a good chance this could be uh, an all time great performance. You have to pay attention. What he's doing, you have to pay attention to. Which I don't know how many people you can say that about. Not to, not modernly. Like I don't I don't know who else you can say. I mean, you're not you're not really looking forward to the next Boston Ben Affleck movie. No, um, no, we're not. He's uh he's exhausted that. Hey. You know, I mean, he got Goodwill Hunting and The Town. I don't know if you can go further. Um, yeah, I don't know. Humphrey Bogart, perhaps, maybe. Maybe he's a guy with every performance you're looking forward to. I don't know what it's like in that era. I wasn't there, but um, yeah, there's not a lot. No. And I think I think that's the same thing of you know what we we're talking about that steroid era is that every you don't take plays off when Bond's coming up at bat. You need to see it. It could be this could be a made for TV. That moment. could be it. You know, and it's it's rare to get those things. So I think um, you know, I, I think to have that have those moments are pretty great. That's why I never, that's why I never um, dig, that's why I never um, bash too hard in the steroid era because they produce some killer moments like that. Yeah, I would love to do like a, uh, a podcast on that, on that aspect of it alone of like how people should be more of like appreciative of that, of that era and that how it, how it, how it uh, signifies itself in the history of baseball. Well, but, they, they certainly were in the time, right? Like, I think maybe the difference with now is people are begrudging somewhat all the home runs and stuff. You hear that critical voice out there, whether or not you agree mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
in that moment, there was no critical voice of the time. Everyone was just universally in agreement. This is a great time. We're watching all these dingers. I love seeing Brady Anderson hit 50 bombs. Oh, my God. (laughs) The chops and all, you know. So, Rob, uh, so we're we're heading on the three-hour mark here. Um, Is there anything you want to add to wrap up here? Because I think we're at a two-part series at this point. Um, so. any, any, any more, we're going to be The Shining in TV series, and we're going to have five parts. <laughs> um, no, I, I think I think it's more of the wrap. I don't know. I don't know. What we need to add to it this this point. I think we've uh, covered some good ground. Uh, so uh, no, I would I would uh, just say thanks for having me on. It's oh, my pleasure, always, man. Always great to chat with you. Yeah, so yeah I enjoy yeah. that. I love I love getting a chance to spend every moment uh, with you. We do always do some really cool shit when I come in here, and uh, I love seeing you in the region. So hopefully we can make that happen a little bit more. Um, but it's always a great conversation, and appreciate you being on. And uh, it's one of the things I was really excited about going into this is that I knew uh, that <laughs> we've been ta- we've been hanging out for seventy two hours, and I literally sent a message to my audio engineer. I'm like, "Well, hey man, we've talked about a lot of shit in the last forty eight hours. It might be challenging to come up with something um, entertaining." And three hours later, my longest podcast I've ever done. Uh, <laughs> it never fails, so uh, it's always a pleasure. And and uh, I hope everyone enjoys it as much as I had talking to you. Um, so I really appreciate that. And um, so, is there anything that people should know when it comes to Radiant Pig? Uh, where to find you? I think um, you know, just uh, knowing that that we're in the New York New York City market, and we're in Connecticut now, and uh, Massachusetts as well. But just um, you know, really, just if you're here, give a look out for us. And um, you know, I think that, um, like I said before, it's, it's I I consider it a special time in in New York City craft in the beer scene, and then that. Um, not just ourselves, but everything else going on. You know, when if you're out here visiting, you know it's a city of of constant visitors. Um, just give a look out for our stuff and and give it a try. And um, I think that um, in the coming year and and uh, hopefully as as we get a tap room going, you know that that's certainly uh, something on the docket. But I know you mentioned that, so I don't want to put you on blast or any any aspect of that. But I know you talked a lot about. Uh, Signing a lease recently um, to a lot of the people that were coming up um, to the table to grab samples of what you were giving out, which was the Gangster Duck and the Junior IPA beers. Um, when can people start to reasonably maybe see a tap room in Brooklyn that they can go to? Is it later 2018, maybe? Yeah, I mean that that that's the plan right now, and, and you know. Cool. Um, it's something we, it was always part of the long-term plan and, and, you know, like anything as you're starting up, um, it, it, it's more of the, you know, when you have a commitment to do something, it's more of how can I make this happen and get to that point and, and, and I'll do anything into that point to make, to see that vision through. And, and so, um, you know, we didn't start out that way, but, um, this is something that's sort of been in the part of the long-term plan and we've been working toward for ever since we started so um you know right now uh end of the year is a um or a year out i should say rather is kind of the benchmark but um that's something that 
um, will be really great for people in, in the future to come in and check out and, and kind of be great for us to just, just like yesterday, you know, for those exact reasons we talked about at the beer festival is just to have those moments where people can come up and ask questions and pull them a few samples and tell them about the beers and really engage with people on a level that you don't get to do every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, yeah. that's what will really make that um, special for me personally. Um, but as for now, um, it's really also nice to just have um, the response we've been getting to it is so awesome and to be embraced by um, everyone locally and, and the fact that, that uh, people are digging the beer is just... Um, it's a really nice thing to have going into that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. I couldn't agree more. And, and being like a, a, a witness of the feedback from yesterday, it seemed like uh, overwhelmingly it was people that have heard of the brand, but they never maybe got to experience that form of brand when it came to one of the beers that we had on tap yesterday. And everybody, there's definitely a buzz, and. Uh, that's awesome. So, um, you know, I, I've, I, I, if you ever need anything, please let me know. I'll do, I'll do whatever I can. Um, I know I'm, I'm no, that. we're like what a thousand miles away, but, uh, <laughs> um, you never know, you never know how, how we can help each other out. So, um, yeah, it, it was a great, it was a great experience. Um, this last yesterday when it came to, um, doing that beer festival at meatballs, <laughs> uh, <laughs> And uh, it was a great meeting, uh, a lot of those breweries. So hopefully they, they've, uh, you know, they, they, they continue to have success. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what else to really say about it after that. So <laughs> No, I think, that's, I think that's the sum up to the whole weekend and, and the thing. So thanks again for uh, having me here. It's, it's been great to chat about the beer and everything else. Um, and I think that's what, um, you know, is is great about hanging out is just kind of covering the range of topics that we do yeah yeah we never uh we're never short of conversation and <laughs> I, unfortunately we never really got into the music aspect of things either no um so uh, so do you have a twitter uh for for the beer yeah yeah and um, do, you, do you everything are, are uh, you, twitter you instagram up? everything uh we do socially for for uh the brand is uh the same thing so whether it's twitter instagram or facebook it's all at radiant pink beer Cool, um, cool, and check yeah, out check out check the, out. Uh, the the save the robots. It's my favorite out of them all. It's just the uh, the illustrations incredible. I mean, it, it really epitomizes everything, and it's it's awesome. And uh, uh, the colors and the marketing that you guys do is incredible, and the beer tastes amazing. Um, so always appreciative of that. So uh, thank you for having me because this is a special edition, right? Um, so, uh, follow us. Uh, we are on uh, Facebook at uh, local two and nine. We're on Twitter at local two and nine, local underscore two and nine, and on uh, Instagram, local two and nine. Uh, so thank you for listening. Uh, some uh, really cool stuff coming up. Like I said, uh, next this Wednesday, we have Dave Pishker in, he's the most winningest coach in high school baseball history in the state of Indiana. He's got over 800 wins. He's won five state championships. If you're into the baseball world, he's just uh, he he's he's the, where where it starts um, when it comes to conversation. He's one of my mentors. He's a guy that I uh, really enjoyed uh, getting a chance to coach with. Uh, we got a chance to win the state championship, and uh, awesome, um, really really an awesome guy. And I can't wait to hear his story. I can't wait for you guys to hear his story. So, um, thank you for listening. 
Again, follow us on all those different platforms. Um, look forward to a lot of stuff coming out soon. I know that we've got some, uh, we got the Santa's Holiday Farm video coming out. Um, I know we've got, uh, there's a couple meetings I have this week when it comes to uh, videos uh, that are uh, promos that we're going to be starting in January. Uh, that gives you a little bit of a timeline. I think from now until January 1st, I'm, my entire intentions is to kind of like meet people. And then by January 1st to uh, March, uh, when we launch, you'll be getting a lot of video content from there. So um, if you have any questions or anything, follow us on all those uh, social media platforms. Uh, I, I, I do run those, so I will get those messages. And uh, I've already appreciated a lot of the reach out already. Um, it's been awesome. So thank you very much. And uh, enjoy your week. And now we'll uh, see you on Friday. Later. <laughs>